Good morning, welcome to another episode of Hard Foul. Hope you guys are enjoying yourself, however you are listening, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and or YouTube. Don't forget, go subscribe, don't forget, like, comment, <clears throat> however you guys interact. I appreciate it. The views have been good, even though I've been on a little bit of a slow this month. Um, I take responsibility for that, because I know I didn't podcast for a couple days there. Um, but yeah, you guys have been fantastic. I'm six months in, like I said, getting my channel assessed so I can start putting ads on my stuff. Um, I've gotten really good feedback as far as people that have listened to me and commented. And even though not everyone agrees with my opinion, always down for the conversation. That's kind of the reason I like doing this. Uh, so, yeah, we got the NBA season back last night, right? And everyone loves the NBA. You love the NBA. I love the NBA. If you don't love the NBA, go listen to someone else. It's pretty easy. You know, it's that simple. So, let's react to opening night. So, we had one of the more anticipated opening nights in NBA history last night, right? We had Kyrie going back to Cleveland to play LeBron James, and there was all this anticipation, all this hype around the game. How was Kyrie going to play? How was LeBron going to play? Who's going to boo him? And is anyone going to throw batteries like they did at LeBron when he went turned? No one threw batteries. The hype was so-so. The game was good. I thought really struggled in the second and third quarter. But we got a good start to the game, and we got a good ending to the game. Here's what we didn't get, though. And let me say, I am really disappointed in LeBron. I have always taken the stance of Kobe is a better player than LeBron. In my eyes. You might see differently, but in my eyes, Kobe is a better player. One thing that I think is undisputed is Kobe is way more of a savage than LeBron. Think about this. And everyone's going to say, well, LeBron put up 29, 16, and 9. And they're going to say, oh, what a great game. LeBron just kind of coasted through this game. Like, there was no points during the game where I'm like, oh, LeBron's really trying to stick it to Kyrie. He's really trying to stick it to the Celtics. Let him know, you can't beat us. We're still the number one team. You're still second place. I didn't get that. LeBron just kind of coasted through the game. He's great. He's so great. He can do 29, 16, and 9. But it just felt like a very lethargic performance from LeBron. With, um, whereas you saw Kyrie. And Kyrie, there were several points in the game. You could tell, I'm trying to get mine. I'm trying to show them that they were wrong. I'm trying to show them that I'm a better point guard than rumor traded. They, uh, that rumor had it that LeBron wanted Chris Paul. He was trying to show I'm a better point guard than Chris Paul. I'm a better finisher than you guys even thought I was. I'm a better closer. I'm a better all that stuff. I am this great. You guys should have done what it could to kept me. Yada, yada. LeBron also heading into the game talked about her ankle. Don't know if he's going to play downplaying the idea of Kyrie coming back. And it's, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Went on ESPN, did the interview with Rachel Nichols, was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all coming back, but, you know, whatever. Like, they, they threw batteries at me when I came back. Like, these guys don't have anything to deal with. Downplayed the situation. Kind of downplay, lethargically played the game. Put up great numbers. But pace and style, which he played, was lethargic and down. And... I'm thinking this whole time, and I'm watching it with a friend. Yo, Kobe would have never done this. I was like, I was texting a friend before the game had started, and they were talking about, oh, LeBron might not play tonight. He's saying that he's hurt. And I'm like, yo, Kobe, Kobe could have broke his leg 
and he would have wanted to play against Shaq in that season opener in 05 if he had gotten to play Shaq in the season opener. He could have broke his leg, and he would have still been there saying, I'm going to get 30, I'm going to mess this guy up, I'm going to show that I'm right, I'm the alpha male, I'm the dominant one, I'm the best player in the world right now. I didn't get that from LeBron. And LeBron's always had the narrative of it's he's not that kind of player psychologically. Like, Kobe and Michael Jordan are homicidally competitive. They are. They are to the point where they don't get off in this world except by knowing they beat someone or they're better than someone. And LeBron doesn't have that personality. Think about it. LeBron doesn't have that personality to such a degree. There's a lot of talk about LeBron going to the Lakers this offseason, and no one even thinks it's weird. No one thinks it's weird. There is not a person alive who doesn't think Mike with the Wizards is one of the strangest things to ever happen in sports. But LeBron wants to go do it at the end of his career with the team. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's LeBron. It's what he does. He's the banana boat guy. He brought D-Wade along. Hell, let their contracts run out, or let well Melo's contract run out. No, Casey, he'll probably have okay, he'll probably have Melo come to LA with them. I understand Paul George wants to go there, but why have Paul George when you can have your friends? LeBron put up great numbers. LeBron had a lethargic game. LeBron didn't show me what, and maybe I'm asking for too much. Because my idea and style of the best player I've ever seen is Kobe Bryant. And LeBron just doesn't have those... He doesn't check those same boxes that Kobe did. And understand, I get that Kobe does not check all the boxes LeBron does. But really? Like, as a fan? As a consumer? You couldn't hype that game up for me a little bit more? For a season opener? For a former player going back to his former team? It just felt like a dud. Now, let me take that opportunity and segue into the second game. And let me tell you guys something that you already know. The Warriors are really good. The Warriors are really, really good. They are like all-time great good. Easy, right? Let me also explain something, and I was talking with someone about this, is... Steph Curry is really going to mess with everyone's head, right? Like, we hate, as human beings, we hate to change. If you ate dinner at a certain time your entire life growing up, that's dinner, excuse me, that's dinner time for you. When you get married, you're going to kind of have to sit there and deal with your wife, and it's like, okay, well, I ate dinner at 7 o'clock, she ate dinner at 6 o'clock, well, dinner time has always been 7 so I kind of want to push for seven. But dinner time for her has always been six. So she's going to want to push for six. And you have this struggle. It's like, okay, what is dinner time? Steph Curry is going to redefine who is the greatest player of all time. He is. He is literally going to play so well that he is going to challenge. Everyone thinks LeBron has challenged Mike and people won't get over the fact Mike's not the greatest player anymore. Steph is going to challenge that on a whole other level. Bear with me here. Steph Curry has a chance, and this is, I get, hypothetical, but barring my own personal prediction about the Pelicans being true or another team you think coming up and beating them, Steph Curry could possibly end his career with five championships, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, and the legacy of redefining the game of basketball. Think about this. 
there's only four guys you could ever say when they play, they go to the finals. You could take Bill Russell. You can take Michael Jordan. You can take LeBron James. And you've got to put Steph in there. Steph, by the time this Warriors run is over, might make it to six, seven straight finals. Difference is, he could have five or six rings compared to LeBron going to seven straight and possibly eight or nine straight and only having three rings. You're going to tell me that the greatest player of all time can't be a dude with five rings, undisputably one of the greatest to ever do something on the basketball court, that is shoot threes, Steph Curry has that, and he has the legacy of redefining the game. Oh, let me tell you who that player is. That player was Magic Johnson, who, before Michael Jordan, got a lot more credit for being the greatest player of all time before, above Larry Bird and before Mike took it from him. Because Magic is undisputedly, or in most people's eyes, considered the greatest pass we've ever seen. He is considered the... Uh, he's a five-time champion, and he is considered one of the guys responsible for changing the game. Steph Curry, as a five-time champion, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, and a guy responsible for changing the way the game is played, he's going to have to be in your top three or five players of all time. And if he's not, how can you put a guy like LeBron in your top three when he's going to have more rings than LeBron? He's going to have just as many, if maybe one or two less finals appearances than LeBron. LeBron is not considered the greatest at any one individual trait, although he might be the second or third greatest at every trait. And does not have the worldwide influence on the game and even influence in the states that Steph Curry has had. Like... Michael Jordan made everybody want to dunk, and Magic Johnson has the great quote, Michael Jordan made you want to fly. Steph Curry makes you want to shoot. There is kids now that instead of sitting there and looking stupid and trying to dunk for 30 minutes when they know they can't, there is now kids trying to shoot threes for 30 minutes even if they can't. Difference is, you shoot enough threes, you get better at shooting threes. Trying to dunk when you can't, you just get bruises, beat up, and look really stupid in your parents' dress. I thought that was <clears throat> the way I should intro into the beginning of the NBA season. Super excited for the NBA to be back. Now we've got, this is what I consider the apex of the sports here. You have baseball playoffs, you've got NFL season, and you have the beginning of the NBA season. Like, there is not a better time in sports. It's just fantastic. And it's why the World Series does so well comparatively to the NBA Finals. And the Super Bowl is kind of in a class by itself. Because the, the World Series goes on, and you're like, okay, well, I still have football, and I still have basketball. The NBA Finals is going on, and you're like, okay, well, I, I don't have anything except golf. And no offense to golf, but if you're like me, you probably don't watch a lot of golf. I also want to take this time to completely eradicate the uh, theory of the Warriors being bad, and I've talked about this before. 
and I'm going to put the final stamp on it, which is why I wanted to bring up golf. Let's understand something, and I hope there's enough people with a bigger outreach and a louder voice and more people that he comes in contact with that says this than me. The Warriors and Steph Curry are great for basketball. No one looks at golf and goes, you know, it really did suck when Tiger was doing all these great things. Do we understand that the Warriors are the first team, they're the first thing in sports that it's them versus the field since Tiger Woods? I'm not talking collegially, because collegially it's a whole different process. On a professional sports level, the Patriots have never been that good where it's Patriots versus the field. The um, In baseball, there was no baseball team, not even the Yankees of the early 2000s who were like, okay, it's them versus the field. There is no team <clears throat> in the NBA, even when it was LeBron in the Heat. It was not them versus the field. It's truly the Warriors versus the field. And that's fantastic. Because like I've stated on so many points, it makes everybody else step their game up even if they don't want to. Because you have two choices. Completely rebuild because you have no chance. Or go all in. What makes a poker game exciting? No one likes poker games when some dude's got a bad poker face and they realize they have a good hand and everyone just folds. And no one like and a poker game doesn't last long if everyone just goes all in all the time. You need a balance. You need uh, to be able to show people achieving, and you need to be able to show people growing. No one wants to grow if it me if it leads to nothing. No, you want to achieve something. You want to grow to achieve. The Warriors make everybody else grow to achieve. And are they still maybe going to beat your achievements because their achievements are better? Yes. But look how many great golfers. Look at the influence of golf. Look how much it took off. Look at everything that in um, came afterwards and during the height of the Tiger Woods era. Michael Jordan, when he retired from the NBA, the NBA lost 50% of its audience. Because Michael Jordan was such a phenomenon and was such a pull. He was 50% of the league's viewing audience. The Warriors. I know so many people who don't know a thing about basketball. And when I say they don't know a thing, I mean they don't know a damn thing. And they know who the Warriors are. They know who Steph Curry is. I've got kids that I watch when I go to work. And they sit there. And they sit there and shoot the basketball. I'm like, oh, Curry. Oh, Curry. And they don't even know who the Warriors are. They just know who Steph Curry is. You know? Kind of like, you know, there's one guy that I know pretty well who uh, had no idea about golf, had no practical uh, knowledge of golf. Yeah, he knew who Tiger Woods was. Don't know who that idiot was, though. I realize that joke's not as funny if you can't see me. I'm the idiot. I know you guys can't see me. I'm just a voice. Um, yeah, I had, I've never been a golf person. I've never even faked to be in a, to having even like interest in golf. But I was a part of the Tiger Woods 
phenomenon. And so I watched Tiger. Didn't do much else. Couldn't even, I, I only learned of Phil Nicholson because he was the second best golfer to Tiger. But if Tiger wasn't there, I didn't care. How much, how much audience did golf lose when Tiger left? Also, I am going to say this now. Unfortunately, today is a much shorter episode uh, due to the fact of I have a bunch of things that are still taking up time in my own personal life. Plus, I will be doing a video that I hope to have out by um, work, working on a video that I hope to have out in the next day or two. So, And it's unrelated to the podcast. And then as well as just doing different editing and school stuff and just a whole bunch of stuff going on. So today is a shorter episode, so I wanted to kind of knock out these three things. First one, obviously, uh, Kobe being more of a savage than LeBron. It's true. Get over it, people. Steph, you're going to have to start thinking of him as a top three all-time player. And then this thing is something that's been bugging me. Can we stop ranking teams just because they have a great record? Like, think about this. ESPN loves to do this. Um, FS1 loves to do this. They rank teams, and they rank them just by their record. And that would be fine in most common practices. It's like, okay, if a team's 5-0, and they're probably the number one team. Except that if you're at a job, you're employed to do this task, it is with the thought process that you do this task or you perform these deeds better than somebody else that would be in this same position. What makes you any more qualified or better than me if you're just ranking teams based off their record? Like, what does it take to sit there and be like, okay, well, the Chiefs are 5-1, and one, the Eagles are 5-1, and one, they must be the two best teams in the league. And I will give you should they be in consideration for best team in the league? Of course. Should they be in consideration for one of the top spots on your list? Of course. But it doesn't make them the number one and two team just because their records are five and one. You know who actually the best team in the league is? And I don't think they're getting talked enough about. The best team in the NFL as of now after six weeks we've played and it's been a crazy season. There's been a bunch of stuff that even quote-unquote experts and even people like myself have messed up on it. have been so dead wrong. Like, I picked the Raiders and Cowboys for the Super Bowl, and I look really bad right now. I can recover, but I look really bad right now. The best team in the league is the Houston Texans, and it's not even close. Think about this. You have the most touchdowns out of your quarterback – in the NFL, and he hasn't even played every game. He's played five and a half. You have possibly the most dynamic pair of receivers in the league in a DeAndre Hopkins and a Will Fuller. You've got a good offensive line, which half the league, you can even make a case 70% of the league, does not currently have. You have a defense that even without J.J. Watt, last year was top five. And... Probably is even better. Jadavion Clowney looks even better. Whitney Merciless looks even better. Brian Cushing's been suspended, but, you know, he's just on steroids. Like, what are you going to do about that? Steroids, man. The Houston Texans 
and I know I've been saying this about Kansas City, and that's only because I think I fell into the Kansas City hype. But who are you going to take going long term? Deshaun Watson, Alex Smith. I'll take my chances with Deshaun Watson. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey is the combo for the Chiefs. Give me DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller for the reasoning of Tyree Kill. As much as I like him, he is a uh, spat player, meaning he is not just a full-time wide receiver. He's not just a running back. He is a, hey, get me out in space and watch me do these things because I'm really fast. But I've told you guys before, they tried it with Reggie Bush. And Reggie Bush was more successful when he became a full-time running back. Carolina's doing it with Christian McCaffrey. He'll be more effective when he becomes a full-time running back. Tyreek Hill will become a more effective player when he's actually given a position. You take... At running back is the one spot I'll give you. Cream Hunt is off to a better start than Lamar Miller, but does not mean that Lamar Miller is not a serviceable running back, especially with a better offensive line in Houston than Kansas City. Give me Houston's defense, which has shown over the last two years it's top five with or without J.J. Watt, compared to Kansas City, which I think is more overrated, and they're much like the Saints were, whereas they were when the Saints were going to the playoffs every year and they had a turnover-hungry defense, not necessarily a yards or a stout defense. Houston has the better defense, QB, better set of weapons, more consistent set of weapons, and I really like Travis Kelsey. And they have a better offensive line. Running back's the one thing you're like, okay, Kansas City has. And even compare him with Philadelphia. With Philadelphia, I'll take Wentz over Watson, but I like Watson's weapons. Offensive line I'll give to the Eagles. And then defensively, it's 100% in Houston's favor. Compare Houston to any team that you want. They check more boxes than any other team. I have a rule of thumb that I go by, and it used to be with the Chargers back in 06, 07, and you're like, okay, what's they, what do they look like coming off the bus? The Chargers, when they came off the bus back then, a young Phillip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson, Lorenzo Neal, Sean Phillips, Sean Merriman, just got Quentin Jammer, um, Antonio Cromartie younger in his career. They had so many guys... That when they just got off the bus, Nate Kading is a kicker. You just looked at him and went, oh, fuck. Like, every, everybody's seen, hopefully, Space Jam, like the Monstars. I think certain teams get off the bus and they're just the Monstars. The Houston Texans are the Monstars of the NFL right now. There is not a scarier roster in the league. Seattle almost was there a few years ago. When they had Russell Wilson and they had that stacked roster, you take a team like um, the Redskins back in the 80s, those Charger teams that I talked about, there's certain teams, they, they just get off the bus and they look scary. And that's not just having a good offense. It's not just having a great defense. You get off the bus and everywhere you're just like, whoo, we're in for a, we're in for a rough day. Once again, you guys, like I said, I do apologize that today was a shorter episode. I just, I have a lot of stuff I need to get done, trying to get done. Um, Just, there's very time-consuming and restraining, and I apologize that I keep putting that on you guys. Um, Appreciate anyone who's viewed. Appreciate anyone who's subscribed. Appreciate anyone who's given a listen. You guys have been great, fantastic. I truly do appreciate it. Don't forget... If you liked anything that you heard or you, anything that you saw, 
please like, subscribe, go follow me, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Heartfelt Podcast, on the podcast app on iTunes, Snapchat, JKid9080. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you guys. Please leave those comments down below, and I will see you guys next time. Peace out.